This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. When you bite into something and then you take a sip of wine and then you notice, because you're paying attention, how the two change each other or complement each other. That's transformative. When I had it, I was like, this is amazing. And it wasn't with, you know, Guyanese food or Caribbean food. We were at the Fusion Canadian restaurant downtown. And I was like, everybody needs to have this experience. Like, imagine how much more enjoyable eating, you know, your your SUV fish will be if I can give you a wonderful sparkling wine. So it's just the two things together to do wonders in your mouth. Like if you take the time and you notice it. And I think everybody should have that experience. That's Beverly Crandon. She's a sommelier and founder of the Spice Food and Wine Group. I want to welcome to the podcast, Beverly. Thank you so much for coming and chat with us. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm a certified sommelier um, here in Toronto. Uh, the second black female um, certified sommelier that we have all of Canada. I'm a massive lover of wine and food and primarily pairing the two together. I'm, and I'm a, a big believer in trying to make wine far more accessible and approachable, um, especially with cuisines or ethnicities where wine is not something that people speak about, um, either themselves, part of that uh, community, or when you're going for formal wine education, like you don't hear the instructor say, we're going to pair, um, you know, jerk chicken with this lovely reasoning. Like they don't say that. Mm -hmm. They'll talk more about European cuisines and say, well, this is what pairs with that. Right. So I've got a big, a big focus on having like healthy conversations around food ownership, origin, uh, historically, why are we where we're at? Where certain, you know, wine wasn't their drink of choice and it was more like beer or rum and, and that type of thing. Um, yeah, so I'm a big champion of just having some healthy conversations around that. But then also having a lot of fun with food and wine as well. I mean, well, I was on your website and I guess that's where I noticed that quote, pairing the wines that we love with the spices that we love. Yeah. Like when you have your first transformative moment of food and wine, like when you, you bite into something and then you take a sip of wine and then you notice, because you're paying attention, how the two change each other or complement each other. That's transformative. And, and when I had it, my first time with that, I was like, this is amazing. And it wasn't with, you know, Guyanese food or Caribbean food. We were at um, uh, a, a fusion Canadian restaurant downtown. and. I was like, everybody needs to have this experience. Like, imagine how much more enjoyable eating, you know, your your Escovite fish will be if I can give you a wonderful sparkling wine. So it's just the two things together to do wonders in your mouth. Like, if you take the time and you notice it. And I think everybody should have that experience. And is that when you knew right then and there that that's what you wanted to do? You wanted to become a sommelier. Um, when was that moment? When was that aha moment for you? So the aha moment about food and wine pairing um, was probably about 12 years ago. And then I started to do, uh, to study wine, just so I understood more about what I was talking about and what I was tasting and where it was coming from and the process that goes into it. And then as I started to progress in my education is when I noticed that like descriptors that people would use around um, the wine to say what it smells like or tastes like 
sometimes there were things that I didn't know. In my West Indian home, my mother did not buy me pomelo, nor did she buy me quince. Like, I didn't know what those things were. And I had to go and source, oh, okay, so quince is kind of like here. And, you know, and I had to have it make sense for myself. Um, and also, I would use descriptors of, of what wine reminds me of. Because that's what wine does, right? You drink it, or you smell it. And it might remind you of like your grandmother's house, if it's like a Torontaise or maybe a perfume she used to wear or something like that. But you're going to draw from your experiences and say, this is what this is for me. And when I would do that, there were some descriptors I would use in the class would be like, well, what on earth is that? So the same way I reacted to their Pamela and Quinn was the same way they were reacting to my descriptors. And that's when I realized there's a whole lexicon around wine that might be intimidating for some people, um, especially if you didn't grow up around people having wine and food all the time in your household. And so that's when I started to do my first uh, set of events around pairing ethnic foods and wine. Um, and I, I, when I started, I didn't think I'd want to become a sommelier and go through the quartermasters and get a pin and all that good stuff. But I noticed that some of my pairings, people were like, well, that's just crazy and daring. Why is she doing that? And I was like, you know what? Maybe just for validation, being honest, I just go through this process, their process. I become a sommelier. I get the pin and I can be like, yes, I know how you pair it because I've done the courses. I've, I've done the blind tasting and pass. I've done the theory and pass. I've done the service and pass. I've got my pin, but this is what we're going to yeah. do here. And so my pairings actually do have a lot of worth and weight. I remember having a, a master psalm come to one of my dinners and I was pairing I think it was curry lamb we were going to have. And I was hearing it with um, a Cabernet Sauvignon out of South Africa. And he was like, are you sure you okay. want to pair curry with a Cabernet Sauvignon? Because a cab is big and herbaceous and all that good stuff. And I'm like, yes, I, I definitely know what I'm doing. And the thing that I'm drawing on and appearing like that, that that Cabernet Sauvignon had um, seen some time in oak. And so you get like vanilla, clove, allspice imparted in the wine because of its aging in oak. And if you look at curry powder and what's in curry powder, clove, the allspice, um, uh, sometimes people actually do grate a little bit of nutmeg in their curry. So now I'm taking the flavors of the curry spice and I'm looking at the flavors in the wine that was imparted by oak. And when you put those two things together and then let's not even talk about the tannins and the great acidity to go with the lamb. Like it, it was a, a it was a killer pairing, and at the end, the master son was like, "You've just changed my perspective." Like that's it. It's about changing perspectives. What you thought wasn't possible is possible. Who are the most influential people in your life? My father, for sure. From him, I get that you can do anything. Like even if the 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 thing seems like. 10 mountains high and I'm like well no, I can find a way to get over it. and that's my father my mother my love of flavors and food and wine definitely comes from her um it really it's the two of them a flavorful glass half full <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly it's exactly what it is so knowing what you know today what advice would you give to your younger self take more chances you know, when you're growing up and you're in an environment that maybe you're not as comfortable with because you're always like the first or the only or the different, you just kind of try to stay the the the, the middle, you know, don't cross any lines, just kind of do what everybody else is doing, assume it as best you can. So 
But I think if I were to be my authentic self in everything that I do and how I think, I would have been doing stuff like this a long time ago. And it truly warms my heart to do this work every single day. I'm not getting rich. <laughs> I can tell you that. In terms of dollars and cents, but I am getting rich in my experiences. I'm I'm in fulfillment. Like I feel good about what I'm doing. Are you up for a quick game of this or that? Sure. Let's do it. Which are you? Glass half full or glass half empty? Half full. Mild or spicy? Spicy. With fries, ketchup or mayo? Ah, ketchup. (laughs) And and hot sauce. Oh, nice combo. Chili or stew? I'm going to say stew. Chicken or beef? Beef. Chocolate dip donut or cream filled? Chocolate dip. Give up sugar or give up salt? Salt in food or salinity also in wine? I, I just speak. No, it gets. Okay, sugar, 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 sugar. Red wine or white wine? Oh, gosh. It's like asking me to pick my two children. Um. I guess I'm going to say red one. So we talked about what the common, everyone knows the, I guess, common rules of what wine pairs with what. What are the main pairing principles that we should consider when selecting a wine? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, There are a couple of things that I will look at. So one is the weight of the dish. So I always let the meal direct me in terms of where I'm going to go with wine. And that's how it all starts. So I look at the weight of the dish. You know, is it uh, a lot of creamy sauces in there? Is the, is the food fried? Um, for fried foods, I want really good acidity because acidity, uh, in addition to adding more texture on the palate, it also helps to break down the weight of something being fried. Um, so that dough feels like butter and velvety in your mouth. Um, that fried skin on the chicken kind of breaks down a little bit, but you're still getting all those flavors from the spices that are used uh, yeah. to fry it. Um, yeah, it's the same with cooking. You want to cut back that um, creaminess with a little bit of acidity. You got it. Um, okay. And then in terms of weight, uh, if something's got like a really creamy sauce, and I'm going with a wine that's got some body and weight as well. Um, okay. So I'm going to pick a white wine that's probably got some... Uh, leaves aging or seeing some time in oak as well because that gives it that gives the wine a bit of weight on the palate um it makes it feel kind of coaty more waxier so now it's like same sameness uh if i took a, a light white wine with your cream sauce it would, the wine would just be lost in there especially if it didn't have um decent acidity uh and i talk about acidity a lot um also uh, as a chef you would know right like you're cleaning your fish you've squeezing some lemon and acidity is very, very big in terms of structure. Um, And then I also uh, will look at what kind of sauces are being used. A lot of times people take their lead from the protein and they'll say, oh, you know, um, I'm having uh, salmon. It's fish. And people say, oh, with fish, you drink white wine. But I'm like, well, is there a sauce on that salmon? What's the cut of the salmon? Uh, Is it blackened? Is it catered? You, You need to know all those things. Because when I make salmon, I'm pairing it with a red wine. I'm pairing it with a chinon. But I know a chinon is a light enough red wine, so it can work with the salmon, but it's red, so it's got some tannins, and it's got some great acidity to cut through the fat in the salmon. So also understanding, you know, how, what kind of, what, how the protein was prepared is also really important. Um, 
where people have challenges, and even myself, uh, is pairing wine with sweet things. So the rule there, and it still is a rule that is safe, is you want a wine that is sweeter than the dish that you're having. If you have something that's not sweeter, uh, the wine will, it will taste off and flat um, and just not a good mouth experience. But having something that's sweeter uh, definitely gets you there. Um, I like also uh, playing around with like Madeiras and that type of thing for um, uh, for for a sweet sweet wine for a sweet dessert. Sorry, yeah. Um, but I guess it's really just taking the the rules from what's happening on your plate, and then you kind of source your wine. What is your favorite wine region? Oh, my favorite wine country I could tell you is Italy. Okay, I guess the Piemonte would be because Barolo mm, is my favorite yeah. wine. It's always been. Um, mm-hmm. I should say always. It, it's been since I've, I've matured in terms of my drinking. Because university days of drinking, like, come on now. Like, this is not even. <laughs> no. That was all about what's more affordable. <laughs> university days box wine. It's like, this is good stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and at least you were doing wine. I was doing things like, oh, dear. And now here comes the truth. Triple X Sherry, because I remember that used to be really cheap. <laughs> triple X Sherry. If you gave me that today, I would vomit. I'm quite certain I would. I, and not because I had a bad experience drinking and I vomited. Just I would think that that is just so, oh, God, my chest. How can you drink that? <laughs> that is one of those memories that gets triggered by a certain smell or, yeah. or sound even of that yeah. bottle popping open. Yeah, good old um, Triple X Sherry. Oh, dear. I wonder if they still sell that. I suspect to see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to check that out are there any wines that you're excited about right now huh oh well um i don't know i've, I've developed this love I mean, i've always liked it but now i'm like obsessed over cabernet franc is that mm, okay it has the ability to be so many things depending on where it's from and how it's used um Traditionally, people used to use it as a well. They still do as a blending grape. Uh, it helps to it helps to add a bit of lightness, more acidity, more red fruit to Cabernet Sauvignon. So it was used always as a blending grape, and it, it still is. But more and more people, outside of just the Loire, are doing single varietal expressions of this grape in a bottle, and it is just man, it, it's like my thing. Like there was one day. I was having, I think I made like smoked pork chops or something. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Cabernet Franc. Honey. And I was like, wait, there are no Cabernet Francs in this house? But who was responsible for buying the wine? I was so angry. <laughs> um, but it, it is like my go-to. It was, I mean, it's Friday. Let's have a nice one. It, Cabernet Franc is my go-to. Love it, love it, love it. And I just love seeing what's happening with cool climate expressions of Cabernet Franc outside of just even the Loire. So Cabernet Franc and pork chops. Yeah, man. I think I've just found dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting so hungry talking to you about the food and the wine. Oh, my word. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Beverly Crandon, a sommelier and founder of the Spice Food and Wine Group. Tell me about the Spice Food and Wine Group. Yeah. Um, we are a group of people who are wine lovers um and love food we love we love exploring and trying new foods as well um that maybe aren't necessarily uh, caribbean 
Um, so, you know, Thai, Vietnamese, but not the stuff that you see people order all the time, but like the, the hidden stuff that they, that people make at home when you go to your friend's house and then the cat yeah. pulls out something like, wow, what's this? Um, and a lot of times too, like your cave, we make something very similar in Guyana. You know, you find those things. Um, mm-hmm. so we're obsessed about food, we're obsessed about wine and we're obsessed about pairing the two together. But we also realize like, let's face it, our, our world, like, there's a lot of turmoil and um, tension when it comes to race relations, especially 2020 with George Floyd, and we saw the whole reckoning. And I, I can't, I don't have the power to make new laws and force you to do something by injecting something in your head, but I can take what I'm good at and my skill and create an environment where you and I will sit down and you'd be like, oh, you know, my, my aunt used to make something like this. And oh, well, my aunt makes it this way. And we find that there's more similarities between us as there are versus differences. Like when I take a look at, at a lot of the foods in the Caribbean that we eat, I see that there's influences obviously from Africa. Then you get some influences from Europe, like when the British came and so on and the Dutch and some of the dishes that they used to make. And you get influences from... Um, the indigenous native peoples who were on the Caribbean land when we were enslaved and brought there. And so my my food isn't just, it's just Caribbean. It has so many different influences in it. So if I can take my skill and get people to sit down who look differently from different cultures, different backgrounds, and then they start to see the same sameness and they start to have conversations and they understand there's not that much difference between you and I, that may make one person who had a view of a particular race of being this, change it and have a new perspective and see that there's way more similarities between me and that person from that particular race. Oh my gosh, I love this because this is how I grew up. My family used to always, and aunts and uncles included, so immediate family, extended family, we all, there was this saying that said, you know, we're two eat, 10 eat. We all had open door policies. So if someone were to pop in, we would all sit down and there was always food around and we would discuss and share. And it didn't matter who it was. It could be our neighbor, it could be a friend, it could be a relative. Door was always open. Come on in. If we're eating, you're going to sit and eat with us. Mm. And I love that because it's it's just sharing a meal definitely unites people. It's that common ground. Exactly. Speaking of food memories, so tell me, do you have like a cherished food memory, something that triggers a, a fun memory of yours when you either taste it, smell it, hear it? Um, it would be uh, homemade Guyanese flat bread and mm-hmm. pepper pot. Um, pepper pot is something, I mean, you can eat it all year round, but specifically you must have it Christmas morning. Like there has to be, if you did not make pepper pot in your Guyanese, I'm taking away your Guyanese card. Pepper pot has to be in your house and you must have it with homemade bread. People have a pepper pot with rice. I'm like, that's not how you eat it. You take the bread and you sap up the stuff and get sticky fingers yes. from the cashew. That's how you eat it. And so pepper pot <laughs> and homemade bread always reminds me of Christmas and growing up, um, you know, Christmas morning and not knowing if I wanted to eat the pepper pot first or open my Christmas presents first. So I love pepper pot. It's amazing. <laughs> What's your go-to recipe? What I make extremely well are my jerk chicken wings. Those are delicious. Like you would sit here and eat pounds of that. Oh my gosh. So that, that for sure. But I, 
I mean, anything savory, I don't really have a challenge cooking, especially if it's from the Caribbean. I don't know how to make like pasta from scratch. And I'm not even going to try to learn that at this age. Honestly, it's so simple. It sounds a lot more difficult than what it is. Uh, maybe I'll try. I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You have to teach me. Yes, we're going to do it. Definitely. Are you up for a little game of rapid fire? Okay, let's go. <laughs> Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. Oh, that I was accepted into law school and was going to become a lawyer. Yeah. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Clothes. What is your junk food kryptonite? Oh my God, Twix. A Twix bar. Oh, so good. If your fridge could talk, what would be one word it would use to describe your snack choices? Oh, meat, meat, cured meat. If you won the lottery, how would you spend it and why? You know the first thing that came to my mind? I'm going to order this weird mm-hmm. bottle of wine. It's wine is the first thing that came to my mind. Ordering a word of yeah. wine. This is not good. It's not good. <laughs> Not how one should spend their money, like the person that comes to mind. I should say things like, well, I'm going to buy some property and I'm going to invest yeah. it. I'm like, no, I'm going to just buy something. But that's the honest answer because that's the first thing that would come to mind. That's what you would want to do. What is your kitchen confession? Do you have one that you can share with us? <laughs> I tried to what the gist was that I... <laughs> I made something and I was calling it this thing. And my friend was like, that's not what that is. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Um, because I told you, like when I'm making something, I very rarely follow a recipe. So in my head, I have like an understanding of what this thing should be. And I think I had invited her, come over for dinner. I'm making blah, blah, blah. And she was like, that is not what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I mean, it was delicious, but it just wasn't the dish that I said it was going to be. But in my head, I'm like, no, I think this is how they make it. I think this is, this is right. <laughs> it's delicious, but that's not it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happens is you just don't follow recipes anyhow. If listeners want to reach out for more information or they want to get in touch with you, say hello, where can they find you? Um, a really easy one is beverlycrandon.com. Uh, that's super simple. And then, of course, uh, spicefoodandwine.com. Uh, um, uh, we're there. Uh, you can message us there through the contacts and so on. So, Beverly, I could talk to you forever. Honestly, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun and you have learned so much from you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a really good conversation. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 